Hi folks, this is Jack Spierko with another edition of the Survival Podcast. As always, one man's view of the changing world, the changing times, and the things that we can all do to live a better life. If times get tough, or even if they don't, coming to you once again from Hot Springs Village, Arkansas, high atop the Highway 7 Ridge line from TSPN, the Survival Podcast Network headquarters. Today is Monday, December the 19th, 2011. This is episode 806 of the Survival Podcast. And today's show is going to be about living a life of liberty in a world of tyranny. And I do believe we live in a world of tyranny. And I'm not saying that everything around us is tyrannical. I'm saying there's a hell of a lot of it out there that is. And it can become very demotivating. And it can also become very, very distracting to actually living your life. And I want to talk more about that today. And I want to do that because today is the first show of the last week of 2011. As I've said before, for Christmas through New Year's, we shut down. We'll be back January 2nd. And that gives everybody a chance to recharge and to think and to set goals and agendas and does that for me as well. Let's me come back recharged with a whole slate of stuff planned for the show. Uh, I get real excited to tell you about it. But it's also a good time to think about what you're doing in your life. And one of the things, you know, I want to leave you with a few things this week. At the end of the week on Friday, we'll do the Christmas episode. And that'll leave you with what hopefully it always leaves you with. Uh, joy and hope and a sense of peace, and a sense of what's really important uh, this time of year. Uh, but today I want to leave you with something different. I want to leave you with a sense of what you have to do if you want freedom in your own life, and it probably doesn't involve holding a sign, yelling and screaming, or even calling your congressional clown at this point. And I have an apology to make, too, which I'll get to as soon as we're done with today's show notes. Okay, first up today, let's take care of our sponsors. They do a lot to help take care of you. First up today, MERS Radio. That's MERS-Radio.com or M-U-R-S-Radio.com. Uh, I'll tell you what's cool about MERS Radio. MERS allows you to have secondary communications and security in one package on your property. So this is not like ham radio. This is not something you're going to broadcast across the country with. You've got a range of one or two miles depending on terrain. But what you have is that secondary means of communication. You've got five frequencies and five sub-frequencies. It's not that heavily used since its transmission uh, distance is limited. You have a reasonable expectation of privacy, especially in a remote location. And you have these really cool motion sensors that you can set out on your property. And when something or someone goes by that area, you'll hear over your radio or over your, your base station, Alert Sector 1 or Alert Sector 2, and you can check into what's going on out there. It's a really great system. And Rob over there, he only has a limited amount of equipment, just a handful of stuff. That means he knows it cold. If you call him and you need support or you want advice on what to buy, he's going to tell you exactly what you need to know, uh, spot on every single time, including, dude, for what you want to do, my equipment's not right. Here's where to go get something else. That's the kind of guy I want as a sponsor, and that's what's cool about Rob and MERS Radio. Next up today, check out BulkAmmo.com for the other precious metal. I talk about, a lot about silver and gold, and hey guys, I think you maybe should be giving those kids this year, when you see them at Christmas time, a silver dollar, uh, or an ounce silver coin or something like that, instead of uh, plastic Chinese crap. But there is the other precious metal, copper, jacketed lead. Just remember this, and this is the, the easiest way for me to make this understandable. Without ammunition, a gun is an expensive club. That's all it really is. You've got to have ammo to go with the gun, and not just ammo for if you need it. You need ammo to train with the gun, to practice with the gun, and to have enough ammo if things go wrong for a long time that you can make it through to the other side. The best place I know to do that is BulkAmmo.com. All the common calibers, really great pricing, lightning-fast shipping, excellent customer service. Check them out today, BulkAmmo.com. Uh, last but not least, consider joining the Member Support Brigade. If you do that, you get exclusive content available only to members. Um, and this is where I'm going to start the apology. Uh, actually, I have two apologies for you today. But the first apology is, um, and it's really, I mean, I'm sorry, but I didn't really do anything wrong. Um, we had our site, uh, actually several of our sites, and quite a few sites around the net, were hacked with some type of malware crud. And because I was running some analytics testing, when it first happened, I figured it was just my analytics testing because I was using an iframe to do that. 
uh, and it turned out there was some kind of crud, and it was messing up our chat server. It was messing up some functionality in the forum. It was messing up my feed. It was messing up my feed over at jackspeargo.com. It got into quite a few other sites that were not on my server. This was like an, an Internet-wide thing. And uh, so that caused uh, uh, an alert to go out when you tried to visit the member support brigade uh, and log in. Uh, or to order service. And of course, I was running a sale last week, and some of you guys tried to join, got the malware alert, and said, hey, dude, I can't get on the site, or I don't want to because it says there's something bad there. We worked over the weekend, even though I was away. We got everything cleaned up. In fact, Steve-O from the forum, one of our moderators, is really the guy that did it. Steve-O took care of everything and cleaned everything up. Some services may still post an alert. I can tell you that you can ignore the alert now. Everything is completely cleaned up. And because some of you guys tried to join during the sale, the snow sale, I'm going to extend it till the summer solstice or the winter solstice, uh, the 21st. So, uh, the code word snow will still get you 30 bucks for your first year until Wednesday at midnight central time this week. I apologize. Stuff like that happens. We run antivirus on the blog. Uh, we, we do everything we can, but those scumbags are always one step ahead of us. Uh, and they're one step ahead of everybody. So uh, just know this. Even if you get a warning now, we know everything's clean. We've cleaned everything up. And the warning should go away from the different services over time. Uh, I know that the one from uh, Firefox is no longer showing up. I checked it this morning. All right? So sorry about that. But the good news is uh, even if it didn't affect you, you can still use the sale snow until Wednesday. All right. Um, next up, and this is going into today's subject. Um I got something wrong last week, ironically, on a show where I talked about getting things wrong and admitting it. Uh, I did a show where I talked about the indefinite detention bill, uh, the ruse that was pulled on Oath Keepers, where Oath Keepers thought that federal agents were looking for lists of people, uh, and some other things that were going on. And about the National Defense Authorization Act, uh, with the indefinite detention clause, I said that it had passed the Senate, but it had not passed the House, and it would have to go back to the House, and Obama was threatening a veto. Almost right. Uh, it actually had already passed the House, but a different version passed the Senate had to go back for resolution. Of course, they've passed it. And they passed it without, I think they even removed the one amendment. There were two Feinstein amendments. I was absolutely correct about those. And they removed even the one that had some limitation put into it. So right now, your government, yes, by law, signed in by the Ask Clown Obama, can indefinitely detain U.S. citizens if they are suspected as terrorists. Um, And I'm sorry that I didn't tell you that this was a more urgent thing, but I also want to tell you after I've admitted that now why it wouldn't have mattered. It passed the Senate 97 to 3. 97 to 3. No amount of phone calls, no amount of activism, no amount of angry yelling and waving of signs, no amount of anything is going to change a bill that passes 97 to 3 out of the United States Senate. It's just not going to happen. At that point... I thought we were further away from this thing becoming law, but I also knew this in my heart, even though I didn't want to accept it, it was going to happen. When something comes through our government with that level of support, you have to do one of two things, and it's up to you what you choose to do. One, you can believe that, you can believe that those people are all in on conspiracy to take away your rights, to lock you up and put you in prison, or you can believe that on some levels there are a bunch of misguided idiots that are doing something stupid because they believe it's the right thing to do. And the reality is that we can look at their past record and see that they have a kind of a history of doing misguided, stupid things. They also have a history of doing things that they're bought and paid for to do. I don't think that's the case here. I do want to throw out with this something that happened after the bill was sent over to the House, some provisions were stripped out of it, and it was sent back to the Senate for final vote to pass through. This time, instead of three people opposing it, 13 senators opposed it. And some of these are people that I would generally agree with, and some of these are people that I wouldn't agree with. But if we're going to talk politics at all today, and I want to do it for a very brief period of time, and I don't want to get into your personal life, because that's far more important about this stuff than what these ass clowns in Washington do. But I want to give every one of these men, and I think there's at least one woman, no no women voted against this. That's interesting. Um, including Ms. Feinstein, whose amendment was not included. That's interesting that she apparently voted yes, unless she wasn't there and abstained from the vote because she was at home, you know, not doing her job. I don't know which one that is. I don't want to put her down. But the people who voted against this, Dick Durbin, Democrat from Illinois, 
Ben Cardin, Democrat from Maryland. Al Franken, Democrat, Minnesota. Tom Harkin, Democrat, Iowa. Jeff Merkley, Democrat, Oregon. Ron Wyden, Democrat, Oregon. Bernie Sanders, the Independent from Vermont. Jim Risch, I can't, I'm not sure if I got his name right. R-I-S-C-H, Risch. Republican from Idaho. Rand Paul, we would expect that, Republican from Kentucky. Mike Lee, Republican from Utah. Jim DeMint, Republican from South Carolina. Mike Crapo, I tell it looks like it's spelled, folks, Crapo, uh, Republican Idaho, and Tom Corbin, Republican Oklahoma. So there were some people on both sides of the aisle that stood out, and if you had asked me uh, who would you kind of bet on to vote against this, uh, Bernie Sanders, Al Franklin, and Rand Paul. I would have absolutely expected those three, uh, one who I agree with immensely, one who I agree with from time to time, and one who I almost never agree with. Uh, but I would have expected them to come down on the right side of this because there are people that actually think for themselves. Kudos to the other ten that apparently figured out how to do that at the last minute on the final uh, pass here. And... Um, I also think some of these people were motivated more about making a statement about the war in Iraq and money than they were about American freedom. But, hey, the right thing is the right thing. We can say thanks for it. So thanks, guys, who voted against this. So, again, I'm sorry I got the timeline wrong on that one, but there's the, here's the reality about it. I'm becoming more and more disinterested in anything that these clowns are doing. I'm becoming more and more disinterested in politics in general. Uh, I am of the belief that we do have a bot Congress. That even though certain times certain members do stand up and do the right thing in general, the Congress is almost completely bought, both the Senate and the House. They're bought because of the way the system was set up. It was set up for them to be bought and purchased. Um, that's how you get elected. That's how you stay in office is by being bought and purchased. And until we change that, very little is going to change. I am of a firm understanding of the underlying monetary policy. And I think if you want to know the real reason I'm becoming less and less interested in government, go read my book, The Real Truth About Money, and understand how the money works. As long as the money works the way that it does, nothing is really going to change. The Congress aren't even really the people in control. If you want to know who controls a family, you look to who controls the family's budget and money. Who holds the credit card? Uh, and who, who, who does, you know, who does the financing? And people would look at it and say, well, Congress does. Well, not really when they've abdicated their responsibility to actually oversee the creation and management of the money supply itself. The people that create uh, the money and the people that we owe the money to are the ones in control. They're the Federal Reserve. And much of the stuff that we get all upset about, like spending and national debt, is completely meaningless until that's rectified. As I look to the, the presidential election, I see a real possibility that Ron Paul could win Iowa. I think it's still a, it's not a, it's certainly not a guarantee. It's a slight possibility, but it's a real possibility. And I think that would be a good thing for the liberty movement as a whole. I don't know that he can win New Hampshire. If he could win New Hampshire and Iowa, it might mean something. Let me tell you some other people that won Iowa. Uh, John McCain won Iowa in the primaries against George W. Bush. We know how that worked out. Uh, Howard Dean won Iowa. Uh, and I don't think you remember him actually ever winning the Democratic nomination. Hillary Clinton won Iowa over Barack Obama. People winning Iowa have a, a steadfast history of not getting the nomination. It's happened many, many times. So... It doesn't mean that anything's going to happen if that happens. Even if we end up with a President Ron Paul, and um, I've said I don't think it can happen. I still don't believe it could happen. I'll be happily apologizing to you if it does. Or even if it starts to look like it really can happen. I'll be very, very happy and very, very excited about it. But even then, I think there's limits to what a person like Ron Paul can do. I don't agree with everything Ron Paul wants to do. I really don't. But I think that he's radical enough that he can pull people closer to what I want, and I don't think he can pull them all the way to his end. I think that's true with anybody in government. I do believe that he's consistent. I do believe he's not purchased. But all of this, I think, is becoming more and more meaningless. It's becoming more and more meaningless because the one thing that struck home with me before I left for this weekend down in Texas with my family down there um, was what Joel Salton said on Friday. And I've actually been listening to it for one more day because I interviewed him on Thursday. And I've actually been playing it around in my mind. And I've heard it before, but it was interesting to hear it from somebody that's just a farmer and just trying to make a living and do it in a very healthy, nutritional way. He said, we have exactly the food we deserve. We have exactly the government we deserve. Everything we have in our lives today is exactly what we deserve because we've chosen it. And that's a two-sided thing. One, it's an admission 
that I could get on this microphone every day and talk nothing but politics. And I'll tell you what would happen. The, and we're getting, I keep saying 25,000 listeners. We're getting closer and closer to 30,000 downloads on an individual day. We, last month we had a couple days with like 28, and this month we've had a couple with 29,000 downloads in one day. Uh, that number would begin to go down because you can get that crap anywhere. And it wouldn't really do anything. If I had all of you willing to do everything that I asked you to do, and I could make you call all of your senators and congressmen every day and say whatever words I wanted to, I still don't think it's enough to move the mountain. Because 25,000 is, is, is insignificant for a political pundit in a nation with 300 million. And in a nation where about 100 million people vote. And it's a reality. So we have to do what I've always tried to do. We've ha we have to focus on what we can do. And we have to not get bogged down in minutia. Um, last week I also had a guy on uh, from Alerts USA, uh, Steve Ostacolnis. And uh, politically... Especially in the world of national defense, he differs from me quite a bit. Um, he doesn't really seem to believe that, that much of our problems are a result of our own actions, where I believe that many of our problems are a direct result of our actions, and other problems are just because there's assholes out there in the world that don't like you when you're successful, and that includes our nation. So I'm kind of in the middle there. Some of you guys are more to the peace, total, no non-force type thing, and, and everything that happened is our fault. And, and I think there's room for all of those views, and I think that somewhere between the three views, there's reality. And I don't think that any of us have the reality perfectly right. But in the discussion thread on that episode, I had to lock the comments over the weekend because I was dealing with this issue with the site being hacked and everything else. And you guys are insulting each other. You guys are insulting the guests. You guys are calling each other names when you basically agree. You don't agree on the cause But you agree on the reality, and you agree on what we individually need to do to take care of and protect ourselves. And you're arguing with each other, and you're fighting with each other, and you're using very insulting terminology toward each other. Look, I might get on this microphone and call the people in Washington ass clowns and dumbasses, because they are. And because there are public servants, and it's my right as an American citizen with a voice to say so when it's happening. But when someone gets on the blog and posts a differing opinion of mine, I don't insult them. I know sometimes you think I do, but generally I respond to an insult with an insult, which is something I'm going to stop doing. I'm just going to have a new policy. If you insult the person, whether it's me, whether it's the guest, or whether it's another member of this community, your comment just goes away. If you can't debate the issue without insulting the messenger, you're, you just go away. And if it happens more than once or twice, then you can just go away from the site altogether. I'll just ban your IP from the entire server. And there'll just be no more. Because we don't need to be fighting in our community. And this is the problem. This is the problem where we end up in a community as powerful as our community is. And the other communities like ours out there. And then we start fighting with each other because we don't agree about everything. But do we agree that there's dangers in the world? Yes, we do. Do we agree that we need to do things in our personal lives for our own personal responsibility? Yes, we do. Isn't that enough to be a common bond and at least have respect for each other? And, and, and that's another reason that I'm moving more and more away from these political topics because it's what always happens. It's why you haven't heard me talk about global warming in three months because I know it's a divisive topic. I'm not even going to talk about my view of it. What I'm going to tell you is I was listening to a really great episode of Harold Garrett's show, The Dirt Doctor, on the way from Texas, uh, back with my wife on Sunday. It was awesome. And I was listening to this guy named Walt Davis uh, talk to Howard Garrett. And Walt Davis is a rancher in Texas that's doing things very similar to the way Joel Salatin does, a little bit different because he's really focused mostly on beef and uh, goats and other ruminants, not really doing the chicken thing or anything like that. Um, but he has a book out called How Not to Go Broke Going Ranching. And Howard and he eventually got into some environmental topics. And both of them basically said, with global warming, we're not really worried about the carbon. We're more worried about the agricultural practices. And then they gave a list of things that we could do. Now, here's the thing. That list of things that we could do would be the same whether you believed in CO2 causing global warming or whether you didn't. It was something that every single person could agree on. And there was actually nothing more that could be done other than a global carbon tax. That was like the only thing they left out, which is why I was like, cool. So one of these two gentlemen believed it a little bit more than the other. Both of them were able to agree on it. Both of them were able to come up with action items. And as you might imagine, then the phone switchboard lo locked up. 
And then for 15 minutes, people had to come, call in and make a case for and against AGW, you know, anthropomorphic global warming. And I turned the episode off until it went away. Even when people were making the side of the case, I agreed with. Because it was pointless. It had nothing to do with what could be done. It had nothing to do with what could be done. And it had nothing to do with what I had tuned in to hear, which was, you know, tell me how to grow stuff. Tell me how to be self-sufficient. Tell me how to do things more sustainably. That's what I tuned in for. And instead, we ended up with, yeah, yeah, you can't just throw it away. And that's how this lady was. It was just, oh, my God. And she went on and on. And they basically said, well, that could be true. But that wasn't good enough. See, and it's not just global warming. It's not just defense uh, spending. It's not just whether or not we should be locking our borders up or whatever. It's all of them. It's where it always leads to people that mostly agree fighting with each other. And you can't have liberty in your life if you're arguing with someone who you agree with on 95% of things. Because you don't have to. I mean, if you're going to argue with a person you agree with 95% of the time... You're not going to have any time to do anything when somebody that only agrees with you 80% shows up or 50% shows up. Instead, you're going to spend all this time, and this is the word that drives me crazy. People say, we're fighting this. We're fighting this. You're not fighting it if you're just talking about it, blogging about it, and being angry about it. That's not fighting. Fighting is doing. Fighting is acting. And fighting is taking action in your life. Let me tell you something. There are things that our government's going to do. You can't stop it. You can't stop it until enough other people wake the hell up. You can't stop it until people get tired of living off the government tit and decide to stand up and act for themselves. At least half of the people have to get there. That's how many we need to actually change things fundamentally. Half. If we do it politically. But there's a movement out there that's bringing people together that have vast differing opinions about politics. And it's part of self-sufficiency. It's part of self-reliance. It's in the agricultural community. It's in the, the urban communities. It's in the rural communities. And it centers around food. And that should be something that unifies us, shouldn't it? I mean, if you think about it, whether you're a Democrat, Republican, Libertarian, Statist, Fascist, whatever you are, if you don't eat, you don't live. If you go visit a strange land with strange people who welcome you as a guest, what's one of the first things that they're going to do if you're a welcome guest? Feed you. In fact, they'll probably feed you the best of what they have. May not be what you think's best, but for them, it will be their best stuff. The stuff that maybe they don't ever get to eat very often. They, they save it for when an honored person like you come. Food is a defining characteristic of the human species. And as we look out at our food supply, we begin to realize how little freedom there exists within it. We have a judge, as Joel told us on Friday, I think it was Wisconsin or Minnesota, it doesn't even matter which state it was, that basically said that you do not have a fundamental right as an individual to choose what you consume in, in regards to food and raw milk. You don't have that fundamental right. And then a couple weeks later, he quit his judgeship and went to work for a lobbying firm and a, as a legal advisor to a company that's contracted to Monsanto. When we have things like that going on, there's only so much we can do in the political space. But you know where they can't stop you? If you really want raw milk, go get a cow. Don't sell it, just drink it. Very, very difficult for that, at least for now, to be stopped. I don't have room for a cow. Get ten of your neighbors together and get one cow and share the milk. I mean, there's, there's always a way, and maybe that won't work for you, and I don't know what your next step is, but I'm going to tell you what. Raw milk is not important enough in of itself for you to, like, that's your only thing. And if that's going to be your thing and you're going to fight it, I actually take that back. If you're going to be in the political space on any of this stuff, if you're going to fight it through conventional channels, then the best thing you can do is you can take one thing, whether it's fluoride in the water, whether it's the raw milk issue, whether it's indefinite detention of United States citizens. And let's be clear that that hasn't actually happened yet. Right? It's just that it could have a potential for it. Uh, if, if it's getting Ron Paul elected, if it's making Ron Paul's message heard, if it's whatever it is. If it's, if, it's, if it's a socialist message, if that's what you want, I don't get it, but if that's what you want, to take your one thing, grab onto it, and run with that one thing, and then put the rest of your life aside for liberty. Because I believe even you socialists will come over to my way of thinking if you create individual liberty. Not because I'm going to trick you, but because that's what happens. And I think it's where we need to focus on individual liberty. And I think that this is why I constantly do shows about gardening, permaculture, farming, and things like that. 
If you cannot feed yourself, you do not have liberty. If someone else feeds you, you are their servant. Think about your dog. He probably has a good life. Right? Gets pet, gets bath, play with him, rub his belly. Some of you guys let him up on the couch to snuggle with you. My dogs are too big for that, and dogs are not allowed on the couch anyway, even if they're little. But, you know, that's that's a good life. But your dog depends on you to provide him medicine, food, and water, and care, and to look after him, to make sure he doesn't run out of the street and get run over by a car. That's fine for a dog. It really is. Uh, dogs actually seem to enjoy the companionship. They've chosen to be the true companion to man out of all the animals in the world. But we don't need our government treating us that way. We don't need our government saying, let's, you know, let's make sure you get your vaccinations. No, we can decide whether or not we want to be vaccinated. I'm not saying you should or you should. I'm just saying that maybe we should be able to make that choice for ourselves. Know the risks and make a choice. Instead of being taken to the vet and given a shot. That we should decide what we eat, not the government. The government shouldn't say, well, you're getting a little bit fat. Time for some Alpo Light. You know, or do it the way they do it and say, well, if you're going to eat the trans fats, we're going to tax them higher. We should be able to make our own decisions. Oh, can't go out in the road. Let's, let's put you over here. That's dangerous over there. Make sure you wear the right kind of shoes on this job. All these other things. Now, that doesn't mean there can't be guidelines that are strongly suggested that you follow. That doesn't mean that an employer can't enforce regulations. If your employer says you have to wear steel-toed shoes and you don't like it, tough shit, don't work for him. He wants to make sure you don't sue him when you lose a toe. That I understand. When the government gets involved in any of these issues, though, it becomes a real problem because it turns us into pets. I don't want to be a pet. So the first thing that your dog would do if he got lost in the woods and there were no humans around to help him is he would look to feed himself. And this is the difference between most people and their dogs. A dog would be successful, whether it was scavenging garbage that was left around, scavenging carrion, and killing stuff. Your dog will quickly revert to a state that's far more like a wolf or a coyote or a fox, much more quickly than most human beings will. Now, as soon as that if that's a good dog, and, and he's been well-treated, when he finds his master or any human, he'll probably quickly look to that human to help him. Hopefully he hasn't become too scared. He can be rehabilitated and get back home with the people that love him. But that's a dog. It's not a human. But we can learn from that dog. And that dog will feed himself. And that's why I think we need to feed ourselves. And I don't care if you're stuck in a, with a balcony on a patio. Grow some herbs. Go to a CSA. Go to a farmer's market. Start buy, At least if you can't grow your own food, take responsibility by buying for food that's grown in your community. Get to know the people that grow your food. And the other thing is, I, I think more and more, we have to do one of two things if we want to have true freedom. And that is, we need to do a coordinated effort like the urban farming guys are doing in a, in a, in a, the, you know, just a depreciated area of St. Louis where they get so many of the neighbors on board, so many people moving into the area making these changes that nobody's going to complain because there's too many people doing it at one time. Or we need to move the hell out so we can do what we like. People ask me all the time, you know, you know, did you really move out to your remote location just because of survival instinct? And the answer is no. Because the other thing people bring up is, well, it's really not that remote, and shouldn't you have gotten further out of the sticks if you're really worried about this stuff? And the answer is, yeah, sure. You know the biggest reason I moved to where I did, other than some financial considerations? Because no one will bother me. I can dig a ditch in my front yard, a swale ditch, and I can start planting trees in my front yard, and nobody complains. And if anybody does complain, there's nothing they can do anyway. I'd actually like more land. I'd love to own about 80 acres. And I'd like to put my house in the dead center middle of that 80 acres. And then I'd like to create a perimeter around my house of about 30 acres that's under management. And I'd like that other 50 acres to stay completely wooded so nobody can see in there. Not because I'm afraid of people. Not because I want to hide. So that I can do whatever the hell I want to do without somebody calling the government and bitching about it. And isn't it sad that we're moving into that level of a reality? But if that's what it is, then that's what it is. And I think that's the big thing I want you to take away from today's show. Whatever you need to do to live your life on your terms, do it! Don't, I, mean, I get this stuff all the time. Well, if I buy a house, they might take it with imminent domain. Buy it somewhere where no one gives a damn. Then they won't take it away with imminent domain. And let's be honest. We can look at a few very big examples of that, but in reality, it doesn't happen very often. You are more likely to win the lottery, assuming you buy one ticket a week, 
than you are to lose your house to eminent domain. That's There's more lottery winners than people that lost their house to eminent domain. Now, you're not going to plan your life around winning the lottery, are you? Then don't plan your life around eminent domain. Now, if you buy a house in an area that's currently under urban redevelopment or just off the easement of a major highway or something like that, well, you're up in the odds. But you can think about that before you act. And I did some listening to the Alex Jones world, and not just Alex, but some other people in that space over the weekend, over this national defense authorization thing with, with indefinite detention. And let me tell you what people are afraid of now. They're going to come get you. They're going to come get us. They're going to come get us. Hey, you know what? They want to come get me. Come on. We'll fight that battle if it comes to it. We can't live in fear and hysteria and believe it's all a big plot to get us all. What are they, what are they going to do? Where are they going to, what, what do you, do you think they want to get you and take you somewhere? No, I'll tell you what. This is what, this is what people of that world do not understand. Your government, your society, wants you exactly where you are right now, at least most of you. They want you doing the following things. If you are a producer in the system, they want you working a job until you're damn near dead. They want you in debt as much as possible for the biggest part of your life. They want you spending money. They want you fighting with your fellow American. That's what they want. They want you to live uh, in complete fear of whatever classes you're not part of. If you're rich, they want you to be in fear of the poor. If you're white, they want you to be afraid of the black and the Hispanic and the Muslim. If you're if you're Muslim, they want you to be afraid of the white white people, right? It doesn't matter what you're if you're if you're poor, they want you to hate the rich and and to see the middle class as being wealthy. And they want everybody doing exactly what we're doing. They want everybody doing this. The things that they're doing that we can look at and see as oppressive and would have the capacity to put a bunch of people under detention, they're doing that because they're scared that everybody's going to snap a gasket one day. That's that's what they're afraid of. They're afraid that people are going to snap out one day and say no more of this. They're afraid that we're going to have an Arab Spring, except it's going to be a Liberty Spring right here in America. That's what they're afraid of. They're afraid people are just going to say enough of this and go down to D.C. and start pulling the clowns out of their chairs. The sad thing is, in some levels, you could say they're creating a self-fulfilling prophecy. If you push any people long enough, sooner or later, they'll snap. The thing that prevents this country from snapping is that we have legitimate elections. And I know some of you are rolling your eyes right now. I go, Bush, hold the election. No, it doesn't matter. That's not what I mean. I mean by the propensity of the overwhelming number of systems and checks and balances in our government If the people of this country actually decided we wanted to change the direction of the country, that just in the primary elections alone, we could get rid of all incumbents in a single election cycle in the House, 30% of the incumbents in a single election cycle in the Senate, and we don't even have to change our political affiliation to do it, if we just had the will to do so. And in, in, in most people realize that is the case. And that's a lot easier to do than put together a truly united resistance movement to go in and physically take over. If we can't do it the first way, we're not even remotely prepared to do it the second way. And if the minority try to do it the second way, that's 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 a problem. I think one thing we need to look at if we're going to talk about revolution and change and things like that is what our founding fathers did before they signed the declaration, the Declaration of Independence, and in essence declared war with our father country. And uh, What they really did was make sure that the majority of the people in the states, the colonies actually at the time, but became the states uh, with the issuance of the declaration, was be sure that the people understood what they were doing, knew what they were doing, and were behind what they were doing. If you're going to risk having somebody's home burned down or their fields burned or having their family killed, they better be on board with you before you speak for them. And a lot of the angst and a lot of the time it took to get the declaration into place and signed, and to raise a continental army and do all the other things, were to be sure that as all the colonies stood up and said, yeah, we're going to do this, that the people were behind it. That the people were willing to make the sacrifice along with the wealthy, which is honestly what many of these people were, that were making the decision. We can learn a lot from that. They don't teach you that in history. You know, American history... 1776 to present. They don't teach you that, do they? They don't teach you how much 
the founders went through to be sure that what they were doing wasn't just likely to be successful, but was publicly backed. And that the public understood what was going on. That's a big part of what common sense was all about. Getting the public on board and explaining and making a case and saying, do we do this together? Uh, it was pretty clear the writing was on the wall when that thing came out, what it would lead to, it followed to his logical conclusion. The fact that it, it became a mainstay, the, the fact that it became something that people passed around in taverns and bars and pubs, is, is what led us eventually to a revolt. So I say, if you want liberty in your life, be a survivalist. Be a modern survivalist. Don't be irrational. Don't live in fear. Don't scream and freak out. Don't get mad and stomp your feet. And if you want to be politically active, that's fine. That's not what I'm saying. Just understand your garden. Your garden is more important than a sign. It makes a bigger statement than a sign. And it has a, a, a more tangible output. And let's also keep our heads with some of this stuff the government does. Do you guys remember? Do you guys remember? The uh, Food Safety and Modernization Act, H.R. 875, the bill that would not die, the bill that people freaked out about for two years, the bill that I kept saying, sucks, spending too much money, consolidation of power, but doesn't have anything to do with what they're telling you. And what did you guys do? You sent me email after email after email after email after email after email, and it could just keep going because there were thousands of them. They're going to take away our gardens. They're going to take away our right to trade seeds. They're going to make heirloom seeds illegal there was a laundry list of things that were supposedly in this bill they're going to put all small growers out of business they're going to do this they're going to do that you know what happened out of that list nothing bill's been on the books for a year now close to a year nothing happened absolutely nothing the square root of nothing occurred not one person was told because of this bill you can't have a garden Now, we've had, and this is the reality. You know who the enemy of the garden is? The neighbor. The neighbor that doesn't understand the garden, the neighbor that doesn't appreciate the garden, it calls the local authority and bitches because of aesthetic reasons. The neighbor doing that is not trying to prevent you from eating a fresh strawberry. They don't want their property values decreased because your strawberries are unsightly. So there's the fight. And I think that the biggest fights we need to have right now, if we're going to fight, are at the local level. But I also love what Joel said. It is easier to ask for forgiveness than permission. If you want to build a, to build a front yard garden, go do it. If you want to do it smart, what I would do is I would get together a gardening club in your community. I would get to as many, so the first thing I would do is get together as many people on your block or two blocks or three blocks that think gardening in of itself is a good idea. You don't even bring up the front yards. You start a club, you get a meetup thing going, and you guys all meet at somebody's house or somebody's backyard or someplace like that once a week, and then you start, let's do a front yard edible landscaping initiative, and let's plan on how to do it in a way that will look aesthetically pleasing. Let's make sure that we comply with the existing local codes, even if they're stupid. And let's all do it together so that it's too big to be fought as an individual. That's how you get that done. And you can do that with anything. If you have crime in your neighborhood, start a neighborhood watch. You want liberty. Be responsible for your liberty. Quit looking, quit looking to the federal government as an answer to your problems with liberty. They're the cause of the, of the things that prevent it. So start right inside yourself. With your own thoughts and deeds and action. Grow your own food. Be prepared for a disaster. Get a means of defense and learn how to use it. Take training. Know your constitution. Know your bill of rights. Know all these things. Carry a pocket constitution. And when they call you a terrorist, laugh. Laugh. It's time for us just to start, start living without fear of this stuff. Not without concern, but without fear. Concern is legitimate. Concern is why we have to be somewhat politically active. But fear is, fear is where we start just behaving stupidly. And what happens when we start to act in fear is this. When something comes out, like the ruse that was played on Oath Keepers with the federal agents going in and asking for lists of preppers, people start connecting dots that have no connection whatsoever. First of all, story never happened. But all of a sudden, everybody's a buzz. See, they're doing this NDAA thing and this at the same time. They're coming to get you. When you put the mind into a paranoid state, it will create links to things that do not have links in them. They really will. And, and that's a big part of what's going on today. And, and we really need to get a hold of that. And I personally believe the greatest way you could do that is to start living your life on your own terms.
And, and I can't tell you exactly what those terms are. That's up to you. But what I can give you is what I call my 14 steps to personal libertarian lifestyle. All right, to be a libertarian on your own, uh, to not need to, uh, the libertarians to take over, uh, to not even change who you are to be able to live in liberty. The first one is believe and do as you please within the law. You can do anything you want within the law, and even some things that are not quite within the law, if you do it the right way and you're smart about it, right? That has to do with what I talked about earlier about getting the hell away. So people will leave you alone. Now, come on, folks. I'm not an idiot. I'm not talking about cooking meth or something like that. But there are certain things, like if you are told you cannot have a chicken, right? But if you live on 80 acres in the center of it, you can probably have all the chickens you want. Even if you technically live in an area where you're not supposed to, because nobody can see it. So be smart about places where you push the edges. And within the law, start living the way you want to versus the way somebody tells you you have to. The next one is spread your belief by example, never with force. It is not up to me to force you to think the way that I do. It's up to me to live my life as a pure example of what I believe and win you over with my results. And there's way too much force in a movement that's supposed to be based on no, not using force. It's force of thought, force of ideas, coercion. It's insulting people. Insulting people is the... Uh, is, is using force on them. If I yell at you long enough and call you an idiot long enough, maybe you'll believe me. No. If you live and prove to me that what you're doing works better, maybe I'll pay attention to what you're doing. Next, create independence from the systems. Not the system. See, this is one of the biggest uh, misused words that I ever hear. People are saying, I'm stuck in the system. I'm dependent on the system. The system could fail. It's not a system. If it was a system, it'd be very, very easy to fight. It's a group of interconnected systems that are designed for profit. They're not designed to control you directly. They result in control. The energy system, the, the agricultural system. Monsanto isn't poisoning the planet because they're like, ooh, let's poison the planet today. They're poisoning the planet because they're like, let's make lots of money today. And if we poison the planet doing it, oh well, at least people will eat in the meantime while we would destroy their land. It's evil, but it's not evil motivated by what you think it is. So you, if you want to rebel against those systems... They depend on you being part of them. Every percentage point you take away from your dependence and go to your self-sufficiency quotient, the less power the system has. If everybody, if everybody just got 10% free of the energy system, the energy system would start catering to what you want instead of just making money off of you. 10% would do it. Everybody at 10% freedom. So that's another one. You create independence from the system. Next, solve your own problems whenever you can. You know, don't, if you have a, a neighbor that's doing something you don't like, don't call code enforcement. Once you call code enforcement, there's no way that there's going to be a compromise. Right? These people that bitch about a front yard garden, maybe it's one or two things they don't like. Maybe if they went over and talked to the person, they would find out what it's eventually going to become. Maybe they could voice their concerns. Maybe they could talk to each other. Maybe you could say, look, I, I don't mind this, but maybe at least the stuff that's on the other side of the sidewalk, could you, could you leave that in grass? And maybe you don't want to, but maybe you live in the suburbs, so you'll make it, you know, maybe you'll figure out how to make it work with each other. And maybe you won't, but at least try. See, once you involve authority, a third-party authority, all of that goes out the window. Now we're going to do it by the book. And that means that the retard, and he may very well be a retard, doesn't understand his own code that he sent out there in force because he makes $22,000 a year to be a code enforcement officer for a city or a county that's going broke, is going to interpret it his way based on what he believes. And this is what he really wants. He wants the pain-in-the-ass neighbor to stop calling and making him come out there So he can sit in his car and pretend to work and eat a donut and drink a coffee. Now these aren't cops. Cops generally are called in when the code enforcement officer is told to go screw. These are mid-level to low-level bureaucratic code enforcement people I'm talking about. And that's not who should be making decisions in your neighborhood between you and your neighbor. And this is in business. If you have a customer not paying you, for God's sakes, call accounts payable before you get a lawyer involved. Once a lawyer's involved, it's a mess. Don't do it. Right? Solve your problems when you can. At least try. And then when you, if you go, okay, we can't solve this. We have to bring in the appropriate level of, uh, of uh, litigation or whatever to do it or enforcement or arbitration or whatever it may be. I tried first. And it gives you a much stronger case when you appeal to that level of authority. 
But try first. Nothing can happen. You can be told, go screw. Fine, I tried. Right? And then when you go, yeah, I tried. We tried to be reasonable about this. I was told to screw off. And then authority can either tell you, you have a legitimate case, and let's solve it. Or you don't have a little legitimate case. They told you to go screw because you need to go screw. But at least try to solve the problem first. It almost always works out better than calling the sheriff or calling code enforcement, calling your town counselor, calling a lawyer, solve your problems. Next one, vote for what you believe in, not who you think can win. Um, I, I've said, and I, I still say, I don't think Ron Paul's our next president. I'll vote for him given the chance every single time. And these people, with your, you're wasting your vote. No, to vote in a way that is inconsistent with your beliefs is, is, uh, is, is wasting your vote. Voting for someone who you hate, voting for a person whose hand you don't really want to shake, voting for a person who you wouldn't trust to babysit your children and saying, take care of my nation, is wasting your vote. And you can argue all you want about it, but the reality is this. If everybody keeps thinking that way, we don't get to change a damn thing. We put the D or the R in, and they're going to do whatever they want to do. And in the end, they're going to keep us divided. And they're going to, they're going to play to our fears. And they're going to play to our concerns. And they're going to play to our natural prejudice. And they're going to use that so they can both do the same damn thing with different marketing. And we are going to stay there until people start voting their conscience. The bigger one, though, know why you believe what you believe. I don't give a damn if you don't agree with me. I really don't. I don't care. Uh, I don't expect you to agree with me. If you did, you scare me. When I get emails saying, Jack, I agree with everything you say, it scares the hell out of me. I'm like, as opinion as I am, you have to have something that I've said that pissed you off. And when I do, good. Know why you believe what you believe. So I think that one thing could change our whole country. I think that if you want to know something that would send a shiver down the spine of congressmen, senators, presidents, judiciary, the local code enforcement people, all the people that are part of the system of control, a population that knows why it believes what it believes is very difficult to manipulate with a speech. Can't come out and give a really great speech and change opinion if people know why they believe what they believe. It sounded great, but I know why I believe what I believe, so no. It would be amazing what would happen in this country if we would start knowing why we believe what we believe. But instead of sitting around and complaining about the college kid that is at least doing something with Occupy Wall Street, sure, they haven't taken a bath in three days, they're laying around the street, but they, they believe in whatever it is enough to go do something. Instead of complaining about them, make sure you know why you believe what you believe so you can take action in your own life. Next one, accept challenges to what you believe but require facts. You want to debate me on anything? Fine, bring me facts. And if it's fact I've already examined and determined to be false, I probably won't listen to it. If it's new fact, I'll probably pay attention to it. I'll examine it. I will use critical thinking. And then I'll know why I believe what I believe. And I will either say, thank you for changing my mind, or no, I don't believe you. But when I say, no, I don't believe you, be okay with that. You're not going to change everybody's mind because you used a few magic words. Or somebody somewhere said something sometime that says that you're right. That doesn't work. Understand when you are... Uh, debating with people and you are using your religion in the debate, if they don't share your religion, your words are meaningless to them. You can't chant a scripture or a verse from the Bible or the Quran or the Torah or the Tibetan Book of the Dead or a shamanic ritual or a pagan rite. You can't, if you don't, if the person that you're talking to doesn't share your faith, chanting words at them will not change their mind. If you want to have debate, bring fact, and if you want to be challenged in your ideas, and if you're willing to be challenged, require fact. Require fact where you two have common ground. And probably staying out of religious debates is a great idea in of itself. There's a place in our lives for faith, and then there's a place in our lives for our own choices in our own lives. And if you want to make a choice based on your faith, and I want to make a choice based on my faith, as long as my choice is to punch you in the nose, we need to be at peace with each other. Because there's been more wars fought over religion than any other subject, and there's no need for it. There's none at all. And all of this hype, and yes, our guest last week that said, it's a law, Islamic Nazism, it sounds like a talking point from right-wing radio. It really does. And I think that there are a group of people within that community that's probably a pretty good description of who they are. But to characterize an entire group of people that way is just nonsense. But I didn't argue with them about it because there's no point. There's no reason. I didn't bring them on to discuss that. I brought him on to discuss the actual threats. And I'll tell you what, whether you like what he has to say politically or not, he was right about the threats. So that's why I require fact. 
So that's why I stick to facts. Like what's actually, what is the likely outcome? We can do everything we want to try to backfill and fix it so it doesn't happen. And change policy so it doesn't happen. But if it's likely to occur, we better know what to do about it when it happens, don't you think? Next one. Never submit to government authority voluntarily. Resist legally. So whatever you can do to legally resist, do so. So if your government says, well, you have to pay $25,000 in taxes this year, learn about creative deductions and play the same game that General Electric and Exxon do and get as many of them as you legally can and pay less than $25,000 and use the same system they created to give their friends advantages to give you advantages. If your government says you can't do anything that you want to do, find out if they actually have the authority to say so. Do they have a means of enforcement? If they don't have a means of enforcement, doesn't really matter that they say you're not supposed to do it. And then don't be stupid. Don't be a five-year-old. Don't be like, no, I'm not doing it. And that's how some people are. The government says you should fasten your seatbelt. No, I'm not doing it. Really? Really? You're not going to fasten your seatbelt. You're going to do 85 miles an hour down the road, the potential to hit a truck, and something that can save your life, you're not going to do because the government said you're supposed to. If you would do it anyway, keep doing it. Don't be a five-year-old. Um, next one, create your own systems, your own networks, etc. You know, this is a great community we have here, but you need your own local community. You need your own groups. You need people that you share affinity with. You guys, you can get things done together with because you have common ideals and goals and values. Now, grow your own food, but do it as a system. You know, a garden's great, but it requires work every day and a lot of watering and weeding and all this other stuff. It's a start. That's a focal point. But replace some of your dead, useless trees. Not dead, I guess, but as far as I'm concerned, they're dead. They produce no life. Get rid of the Bradford pear and put a Bartlett pear in. You know? Get rid of the flowering cherry and put a tart cherry in. Start planting things on your property and anywhere that you have access to that will be there long after you're gone and continue to produce. That's a system. We can take it to a much higher level with something like permaculture, but man, if everybody would just go outside and plant one fruit or nut tree, one fruit, flower, you know, one fruiting vine, one fruiting or nutting bush, and everybody planted those three things, man, we could change a lot overnight. And we're talking about an investment that's less than a hundred dollars a person, and not even a hundred dollars, a hundred dollars a family. If every single family home owner in America, every family that owns a single family home, would go plant one of those three, or those three things on their property, a vine, a bush, and a tree that all produce some sort of food, we could transform the country overnight from a standpoint of independence. And it's that easy and we don't do it. So you got to do it. Maybe you should plant six or nine instead of just three or 12 or depending on how much you land, maybe hundreds, you know. That's, that's what it's about. That's a system. But create your own systems in your own networks. I also want you to value education, but be a self-directed learner at all times. If you want to go to college, fine. I'm not going to rehash that today. But you know what? You've got to be responsible for your own education. The fact that you tune into this show is great. But learn other things. There's so many resources out there that you can learn from. Uh, there's the Khan Academy, the, uh, the, the, the Zero Tuition College. Uh, there's the National Academy's uh, site where you can get tons of free books. There's so many. There's iTunes University. You can sit through lectures at Harvard or Princeton or Yale for free. You might not get credit, but you'll get the education. And if you start to listen to it and it doesn't resonate with you, go find it somewhere else. I don't care if you learn from a Harvard professor or Snoopy Comics, but learn something new every day. And value your education. Value your knowledge. And I'll tell you how you know if you value your knowledge. When you meet somebody with an interest in knowledge that you have, you want to teach. People that value knowledge give it away freely. And the more you value your knowledge, the more you'll give it away. Uh, you can go nuts with it. You can become annoying with it. You can get kind of a messiah complex with knowledge. But... If you find a person that's receptive, give them as much as they want. And when, when they give you the sign that I've, I'm, I'm on info overload, stop. But value knowledge. And if you value knowledge, you'll be creating students. Also, never let anybody speak for you or put words in your mouth. When someone says, well, Joe said, and it's not what you said, clarify it immediately. Don't be like, you're a jerk, you're an asshole, blah, you, you lied about what I said. Just say, no, you've misunderstood what I've said. What I said is, and if you need further clarification, what that means is. And then let it be. But never let anybody speak for you, including your elected officials. 
Sometimes your elected officials will say something like, the people of my district understand, and that's when you pick up the phone and say, let me tell you something, buddy. Let me tell you something. No, the people of your district don't understand this, and we don't agree with this, and don't speak for me that way. If you want to say many of the people understand, I'm okay with that. But don't you use an absolute, because I'm telling you, at least one of us right now doesn't like what you're doing, and I got a crosshair on your head to get rid of you in the primaries next time around. And if that fails, I'm going to vote for your opponent, whoever they may be. Don't say crosshair. Somebody will twist that, because we live in a stupid era. But say, you know what? I'm not going to forget this if you continue to act this way. Don't let anybody speak for you. And that means if the person's doing something I agree with, but you don't, and they're your rep, you tell them even though you just, even though I'd be like, I think he's right. You shut up, Jack. I know why I believe what I believe. I want my area my way. I want my state my way. I want my, fine. I wish the hell everybody would do that. We have a much better society if everybody would take responsibility and do things that way. Next, accept that many ignore, demean, or attack you. If you are making a difference in this world, you're going to be attacked. People are going to insult you. People are going to demean you. People are going to twist your words. That's why you have to correct them. But accept it. It's going to happen. It's going to happen. It's going to happen. If no one is attacking you, you're not really making a difference. Think about Yakoba Sakadoa. Uh, if you didn't hear uh, that episode, that was the man who stopped the desert. This guy... His big revelation was, instead of digging holes when it's already started raining and putting compost and organic matter and manure into them, let's dig the holes in the dry season so that the ground is already open when the rain gets here, and that'll improve crop yields, and it worked. And then his thing was, if we plant trees, lay some rocks on the ground, it'll do even more, and it worked. And he started feeding people in a region that was literally turning completely to desert, the Sahel region of Africa, the Sahara basically expanding into the sub-Sahara, and the, the, the desert growing like, like, like a glacier of sand, and, and people starving. And he does this. And you would think people would go, Jacoba, what a great guy. He's feeding us. He's teaching us. Let's do it. No, they burned his fields down. They burned his fields down because he dug a hole in a different month than they thought was right to dig a hole. That should tell you something about, and that's a different country. And people go, we don't do that here in America. We do the same nonsense, different things, because we're not out there digging a hole and putting manure in it. Maybe we should be more often, but we're not. But we do the same thing. Someone does something we just can't accept because it's a little bit different, and we attack them. And that means when you break out of the mold, When you stop believing, I'll always have two car payments, we should always buy a bigger house every five years. I'm going to work till I'm 65. I'm going to go to college and do the right thing. And when you stop following the societal norms, people will attack, they will demean, or they might ignore you. But they're not going to be like, hey, great job. The people that see it your way will. So do what you know is right. Commune with those who understand what's right. Demonstrate by example because here's the reality. When something new comes up, the first thing that people do is ignore it. Then they violently oppose it. And eventually, if it's true, if it's real, it's accepted not just as being true and real, but it's accepted as simply being common sense. Like, we all know that now. Of course that's true. Like, they, they never opposed it. They want to forget that they were ever on the wrong side of the issue. So accept that. Next, argue ideas. Do not argue the validity of the individual. You know, I bring Rob Wolf on and somebody has to say, he only has a BS in science, bachelor science degree, and he only worked as a, as a, as a you know, lab for this many years, and I don't know if he has enough credentials. You know why you do that? Can't argue the idea. Can't argue the science. Want to attack the man. At least that was, at least that was reasonably respectful, right? I bring Steve Ox to call this on. And his opinion of um, what's going on out there and why it's going on is different from yours. So the threat's not real. And he's just, he, he, I, one of you said something really stupid. I, I don't remember exactly what it was, but it was just, I, I was like, really? It, it doesn't really matter, I guess. It's just that, again, when you have to insult the person versus defend the idea, you really don't have a lot to stand on. And, and I think that's just sad. 
And I think that we're, we're going to really need to start arguing the validity of ideas if we want anybody to listen to us. We're going to stop having to claim everything's a conspiracy. Everybody's out to get us. Even if it were true, let me tell you something. Joe Blow and Joe Sixpack and, 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 and Tammy Sixpack are not going to listen to you when you talk that way. But showing them what's wrong with the way we're living our lives might actually get somewhere, especially if you can demonstrate a better way. And the last one, no surprise, remember that no matter what anybody says, it's what you do that matters. You can say anything you like. You can yell and scream. You can get really, really angry. You can convince yourself that you're fighting. And they're the ones that I just, I, I facepalm, you know. I get these emails, oh, you're saying bad things about Alex Jones, but with him we're fighting. What are you fighting? What are you fighting? Huh? A bunch of people sitting around all angry about something convinced that the, the 70% truth is 100% truth. And alienating people that are going, I can't go there with the 30%. That, that's fighting. You're fighting yourselves. I think that that mentality has done more damage to legitimate liberty than anything else. And I know some of you are very angry with me for that, but I do. Because I believe that the best way you can keep a nation enslaved is to convince the slave that he's free. And I think that when you, when you show the slave this, like, this fundamentally flawed logic, that it's much more comfortable to be enslaved than to, to, than to look at uh, the fact that they are enslaved. To just let it be and say, it's all, it's all good. Right? But when you can show people, hey, look, let's start with debt freedom. Let's see what that really means. Let's start with early retirement. Let's start with decoupling from the system. Then you get a person that's willing to look, and then they'll see all the rest of the stuff for themselves instead of you beating them over the head with it and connecting dots that are not connectable. And, and there's a lot of that going on out there right now. But that, that's to me, if you want to live in liberty in a world of tyranny, those are the things that you need to do. You need to live your life on your terms your way. You need to speak and, and be heard. You need to correct things when people speak ill of you or put words in your mouth. You need to believe and do as you please within the law anyway. Uh, then you need to spread your belief by example, not with force. You need to create independence from the systems. You need to solve your own problems wherever you can. You need to vote for what you believe in, not what somebody tells you to, or believe nonsense like you're wasting your vote. Voting your conscience is not wasting your, your, your vote. You need to know why you believe what you believe. You need to accept challenges to what you believe, but at least require facts when you get challenged. You need to never submit to anybody's authority voluntarily unless it makes sense to do so because you would have done it anyway. Right? You don't need to, to go in and put the shackles on yourself. You need to create your own systems. You need to have your own networks of people, your own communities. You need to value your education. You need to be a self-directed learner at all times. You need to accept that many others are going to ignore, demean, or attack you. And even when you feel like I'm doing it, maybe I'm wrong. Hey, I'm willing to admit that I have the right to be wrong. I've been saying that since day one. I could even be wrong about some of the things I said today. I'm open to that. You have to show me and not just give me some guy blathering on. You're going to have to show me. You have to accept that you're going to get attacked. You have to argue your ideas, not the validity of the individual. And above all, you're going to have to remember what you do, what you, what you do for yourself and your life is what really matters. And I want you thinking about that as we go into a new year. A year that's going to be full of challenges. A year where the mud is going to fly. A year where the conspiracy talk is going to go through the roof. A year where everybody's going to be sure that everything's finally happening the way that everybody said it was. And we're going to still end up at the end of that year the way we're going to end up at the end of this year. Look into the next year for the same thing. There's a lot of challenges that will come our way. There's some really bad stuff out there that we need to be prepared for. But if we're going to survive... If we're going to fight for our rights, we better know what they are. We better claim them, and we better act with them today. And with that, this has been Jack Spirico with another edition of the Survival Podcast, helping you figure out how to live that better life if times get tough, or even if they don't. There's nothing I can do It's the price we pay, I guess And we follow all the rules There's a better way to do this Let me show you